I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And this month, October, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yes, it is. So we wanted to do a episode completely dedicated to that topic. We want to say right off the top that yep. this episode deals with, um, obviously, violence against women and other really disturbing topics. So trigger warning right now, if that's something that you don't want to hear about or you're very sensitive to, this might be one that you want to skip or just proceed with caution. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So... Let's kick ourselves off with what domestic violence is, because Mm -hmm. I think we tend to think of domestic violence as like getting punched in the face, right? And um, the Center for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention stated that domestic violence is more than a punch. Intimate partner violence includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats of physical or sexual violence, stalking and psychological aggression by a current or former intimate partner. Yes. I had also read... The definition from the World Health Organization in 2012, they had also added emotional abuse and controlling behavior, which yes. is, it, go, it goes into what you just said. But. Yeah, again, like, I think we tend to think of, like, domestic violence as being physical violence, yes. and it's not always, and rarely does it start out as physical violence. Almost yes. never does it start out as physical violence. I really like this quote I got. I watched a TED Talk by a woman named Leslie Morgan Steiner, and so I have some quotes from her. She did a TED Talk about, like, why victims don't leave their abusers. Yeah. And she had a line in there that said, Domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's 
everywhere. And I think that that's what makes it so scary is it's so prevalent. It's so pervasive. It doesn't just strike one demographic or another. You might see, um, you know, we just read the book Dead Girls by Alice Bolin and... The first four chapters that actually focused on dead dead girls girls and domestic violence and things like that highlighted that instigators to, you know, physical violence from a man, stressors can be like loss of a job or inadequacy. So you might see lower classes being affected more. Yeah. um, Just because those stressors are more prevalent in general. But it does affect everyone of of every. And I think that it is such a power struggle yeah. with these people where when you look at somebody who may be a little bit more wealthy who is an abuser um anytime they they feel that maybe their power is being threatened yeah they're losing control big one yeah yeah for sure i totally agree i have a few statistics here yes. where it says every 9 seconds in the united states you know states, i love statistics i know <laughs> <laughs> all for keegan <laughs> um every 9 seconds in the united states a woman is assaulted or beaten around the world at least one in 3 women has been beaten coerced into sex or otherwise abused during their lifetime and domestic violence is the leading cause of injury in women more than car accidents muggings and rapes combined that which is i found it weird that they added scary. rapes to that because i feel like that goes into domestic violence I I agree. Um, but maybe maybe they mean um, rapes outside of a domestic sphere. Maybe. Like, you know. Yeah. This was crazy. So it says, <clears throat> the number of American troops killed in Afghanistan and Iraq between 2001 and 2012 is 6,488. The number of women who were murdered by current or ex-male partners during that time was 11,766, which is double that. That is so scary. That is crazy yeah i mean well if you're thinking about it if it's every nine seconds someone is being assaulted it doesn't those numbers don't shock you because you're like yeah that yeah of course and and this isn't that they've been assaulted this they've been killed right so i you know to go hand in hand with that statistic intimate partner violence accounts for 15 percent of violent crime in the united states which is also the highest intimate partner homicide uh so united states has the highest intimate partner homicide rate among the world's wealthiest 25 countries and it still remains one of america's most underreported crimes Mm -hmm. and that's from the national coalition against domestic violence yeah so it's something that is so understandably awful to think about reporting especially in the time that we are living right now we are just um you know we are still very heavily dealing with brett kavanaugh Mm -hmm. being put into the supreme court where it's very clear that the things that we've been through don't really matter to these people they don't it's it's that like why didn't you report it Mm -hmm. well it's like because you don't believe me well and i think that that's such a nuanced question too like when you watch that ted talk which i'll get into a little bit later like direct direct quotes as to why women don't report but she talks about and this is a highly educated woman you know she went to harvard college she's very smart but she talks about like even though she was being physically beaten multiple times a week, like, really savagely. She just didn't think of herself as a battered woman. She thought of herself as a woman who just loved a really troubled man and that, like, he really needed her to help him get through this and over yeah. this and he was just damaged and you and like, feel like it's then your responsibility it's, it's right and you do you love them say the mental gymnastics that you go through yeah. to justify justify mm-hmm. what's going on in your life yeah. so that it doesn't seem as painful because if you do think of yourself as that 
your whole mentality changes. Like you right. don't want to think about yourself as being a victim. And you do you do love this person as like yes. twisted and sick and toxic as that is. So you don't want to get them in trouble. You don't want to hurt them. You know, yeah. there's a lot of reasons why women don't leave or why they don't report it, you know, outside of the fact that they might not be believed. Well, and then there's also that thing where, you know, when we think about domestic violence, we have a very specific image that comes into our heads. Like we said, it's not always a punch. So for those of us who've experienced it, it's like, well, I'm not being beaten up. Yeah, I don't don't have a black eye. Yeah, it's, it's different because there is such a spectrum coming from domestic violence where you won't always see yourself as really having a problem. You're right. just like, oh, well, it could be so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. You or, know? I mean, and again, like, when, and I think we can talk about this closer to the end of the episode a little bit more, but the warning signs of, mm-hmm. like, how, you know, you know you might be getting into a relationship that's unhealthy in that way. Mm-hmm. But like we said, it doesn't usually start with violence. So, you have this whole other side you, of this person that you know. You have a history. Right. You have this yeah. history with this person who has loved you and you've felt that love from and them. Sometimes and sometimes they're really sweet when yeah, they're not Yeah, being cruel. and they've apologized yep. when you know, after they've been cruel. And so yeah. it it fucks with you. It like and really maybe, messes with your head. And maybe there's even things like I've had friends where it's like I'm so close to their family. They are financially supportive of me. Like, there are things, right. there are other factors that go into it. And there's also cultures around the world where you just don't leave your partner. Right. You don't do it. You yeah. know, so if you're in a relationship like that, you're just expected to deal with it. Yeah. That whole idea of them being, like, damaged is yeah. one that really resonates with me because it's just, like... Well, they need me. Like they need me to be here because I'm the only one. So who I'm gonna can, be like, the strong one. So and I'm gonna put yeah, up with it. I'll be the pillar and then like, you know, you tell yourself all these things, you're like, Oh, relationships are give and take and like sometimes I need to be strong for him and then once he's better he'll be strong for me and like Or you, maybe I made a mistake and maybe what he's doing, he's doing it because I deserve it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's see there's so like there's it's such a complicated issue yeah. that it gets hard to hear people be like well, she should have just left. And yeah. I've been guilty of that, too. Listen, I listened to Dirty John, and I was like, why didn't this woman leave? You yeah. know? like, But it's so much more nuanced than that. And, like, your brain does weird shit, you know, when you you're have high to, on love. You have to protect yourself. And you dissociate. You do what you can to live. Because sometimes the thought of leaving is worse than than actually doing it. It's you scary. Know? Yeah. I mean, any, any new journey is difficult. Any transition yes. period is hard. Yeah. So sometimes having to face the idea of like your relationship ending, all of these other things ending in your life and then having to start completely back over. Yeah. And then even then, that's not even reporting it. That's right. just you getting out of a bad right. relationship and then you reporting it or pressing charges or anything else, you're reliving it and you right. know that it's going to be hell. And then you it's, face the idea of you maybe not being believed or like maybe you have a good relationship with his family. What are they going to think of exactly. you? You know, like they're not going to believe you. Right. And then also like if you've seen any court show, it's like that other lawyer is going to tear attack you. you. Apart. Yeah. And you yeah. know it. And it's like it, and, and then they just say every doubt that you've ever had in your mind mm-hmm. about anything that you've felt. And then you're like maybe I am in the wrong here. Oh yeah, gaslighting yeah. does wonders. And yeah. most abusers I know, even if they're not physical abusers, that's a cornerstone of mental abuse is just gaslighting the fuck out of you and making yeah. you believe that um, you're the crazy one. Yep. Like, they could be completely in the wrong and they'll flip any situation on you. Oh, yeah. And then it gets really hard to stand your ground because you're yeah. questioning yourself. Um, 
So I have another statistic here that says that women ages 16 to 24 are three times more likely to be in domestic to be domestic violence victims than women of other ages. So 16 to 24 years yeah. old, which I totally I totally buy. see that. Yeah, I totally buy that because. Not to say that women who are older cannot get into domestic violence situations. Right. Of course they can. But I look at who I was mm-hmm. between the ages of like 16 and 24 and yeah. who I am now as like a slightly older woman. And I'm like a slightly older woman. Older than 24. <laughs> I'm, 20, I'm 28. <laughs> um, but yeah, my... My mental strength has totally changed, and my Agreed. like, like my ability to put up with shit is a lot lower. Oh, your bullshit meter, yeah, you know, is real low. Away. Yeah, you're just like, I'm not falling for fucking any bullshit. Oh, yeah. yeah, when I was, I mean, and then if you think about like 16 year olds, a lot of times it's like if you're in high school, it's your first love, you know, and it's that first experience and you're not, your brain isn't even fully developed yet. There's things that you're still working out and your hormones are crazy. And I was totally fed this belief. I think you become more secure in your own beliefs as you get older too, because yeah. I was so reliant upon like the worldview that I was brought up in. So a lot of that being from like kind of uh, evangelical sort of Christian background was that you submit to your partner. Like, Do not I, let your fellow be stumbled in Christ, whatever. That's right. I, don't know that. but, I can't remember the quote, but it just close it stuck, enough. stuck in my brain it's close forever. enough. But, but yeah, I mean, it was just like we were brought up that, like, the man, it, you know, these were the tears. It was like, God... Mm-hmm. is at the top of your household mm-hmm. and then your husband is underneath that and then you are beneath your husband so you submit to him so if he's telling you you're doing something wrong i think your then default you're doing wrong. yeah your default reaction if you've been brought up in that is to change like yes. what you're doing yeah. not to question like Maybe he's being unreasonable. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, And even, I feel like there's still, you know, even if you were raised to believe or to even, like, watch TV shows and be like, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. How can this woman put up with it? And then you find that, like, you're in the same situation. Like, I feel like sometimes you can still overlook it within yourself. Right, yeah. You can see something from the outside and totally get it. And then once you're in it, it's so much harder. Well, because it's you. You're like, you don't get it. Like, no one else can understand what's going on because this is my life and my situation. And your history. Like, you have a a complicated relationship with that person. Yep. Um, So the other half of that statistic is that over 500 women and girls this age, so between 16 and 24, uh, and 24, are killed every year by abusive husbands and partners in the United States. Yeah. And each year, domestic violence-related medical expenses cost up to $59 billion wow. in the United States. Wow. Just And that's, that's the reported ones. Those yeah. are the ones that go in for medical help, you know? Yeah. That's not even counting... And, you know, it's not even counting everybody else who doesn't go in. Wow. I found it interesting, especially because October is also Disability Awareness Month, yeah. that women with disabilities are 40% more likely to experience intimate partner violence, which I found interesting. That is really shitty. Yeah. That's that's like another level of shitty. Right. It's like because you're taking advantage of somebody, like whether or not that be a physical or mental disability, like, again, the power dynamics are so off. And then what 
kind of horrible, awful human being do you have to be to know that somebody struggles with something and to, like, I can only imagine you use that against them? Well, you're a predator is what you are. Yeah, it's just, like, that's why, you know, these older guys who want to abuse, they go after people who are younger, maybe more naive. They go after people who might need to rely on them Mm -hmm. um, financially. And so I guess it really doesn't surprise me, although it's gross yeah. that they would also seek out people who are less likely to be able to fight them back. Oh yeah, I would definitely get like the guys who wanted like the like quote unquote damaged Oh yeah, when I was going through a hard time and like I look back on it now and I'm like that's so fucked up. Yeah, like man. some of the things that I experienced where I was just like like looking like back then it's like oh they're taking care of me, oh they're like putting they me in a place. They want to help me. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh they're teaching me things and that's why they're acting this way. No, they saw someone they could mold. Exactly. That they thought they could mold. Exactly. Yeah. And then, like, the second that, like, you step out of it, you're like, holy shit, that's so crazy. Have you ever thought about, like, because I have, you know, whenever you were, like, 15, 16, and you were so flattered that guys in their 20s, like, liked you. Oh, yeah. And were interested in you. Oh, yeah. And you were flattered guy. by it. I was 18. He was 20, almost 27. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, this older man finds me attractive where I still like felt and looked to me like I was just a young girl because I was I was right out of high school and like the fact that somebody who had been in a long relationship and who had been a certain way with somebody else would find me attractive and find me worthy of like his time yeah I mean and I'm not saying that because you know at that point 18 legally you're an adult so I'm not saying that that couldn't work out but because i know who you're talking about yeah i know for a fact that like he was creepy as fuck and he chose you on purpose because he he thought that he could mold you to what he wanted and he could and he did yeah yeah it's it's crazy i haven't said this word in a while it's bonkers bonkers bananas i started saying bonkers again recently this week and i'm gonna bring it back bring it back bring it back in bonkers (laughs) so bonkers i like it um, okay, do we maybe want to talk about uh, domestic violence against men? Yes. Because I think we very often think of domestic violence as being a exactly. uh, women's only issue, and it is largely women. I don't yes. want to discount that. It is yes. largely women. But I think that there's something, you know, when we talk about um, violence against men and uh, talking about domestic violence in general like we really are discussing a lot of really toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and when it comes to men being abused that is hard for it's even harder i feel for them to be able to come forward because they're expected to be okay with it i think about that episode of friends where joey's got the girl that like punches him. i know and yeah, she's little so and they're, yeah, they're, and they're like, like oh, oh does she hurt you yeah it's another way that friends is problematic that we didn't bring up i in that know episode. exactly so we're bringing it up now <laughs> but it's like you should not be like i'm one of those people that like if you say something i'll like Smack, smack you. you yeah and like my ex used to always say stuff like where he'd be like oh abuse and like make jokes about it. but it was like it was kind of like oh my god like I never even really thought about that before I had to I, I am one of those people who I'm like really tactile and I will playfully hit hit you you know what yeah. I mean and um, I remember I did that once to my ex-boyfriend's friend and I, we were like playing a game and I like hit him. I like smacked mm-hmm. his arm mm-hmm. and he kind of like jokingly was like, ha, like don't do that. And mm-hmm. then like something else happened in the video game and I like hit him again and he was like, no, really, 
don't don't yeah. hit me. Well, because you don't and, you don't think about it. And for me, it was always just like a reaction. Right. And I had to stop. I had to try and stop doing that. And I do do it every now and again. Yeah. And I, I every time, even though like Anthony knows I'm kidding, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry that I. Like, just, yeah. Well, it's a because, good, it's a good thing to be aware of because yeah. like we're not raised to think of. Uh, domestic violence in that way either that women would be violent against men it just doesn't like right it's something that you have to constantly check yourself on yeah and also realize that no even if you're playing it's just not a good habit to get into of like you wouldn't want that done to you right exactly but there are times whenever women aren't hitting playfully yeah and are actively physically abusing their boyfriends one in seven men will be victims of severe violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime and I've brought up Emma Roberts before I know. on this podcast. Yes, and I knew we were going to talk about this. I, yeah, of course. And But it's something for me that just, I don't know why that just like really rubbed me the wrong way because of how the narrative was around yeah. that whole thing. Like there's a photo of them where it's like when she was let out of like a Canadian jail or whatever. And like he's holding her and she's crying and so upset. It's like a paparazzi photo. The, the, yeah, the way that it was reported on was okay so here's what happened listeners yeah. if you guys don't know Emma Roberts is she still with Evan Peters are they still together I think so so Emma Roberts and Evan Peter have, Peters have been in a long term relationship yeah they were like engaged I think at I one think point. they were engaged I think this happened while they were engaged yeah they got into some kind of altercation and she beat well and somebody said because I had posted something on Twitter about why I was like why does Ryan Murphy continue to cast her in these roles, like, because he is such a progressive, wonderful, like, well, because, creator. And, and, yeah, I mean, she, a lot of people liked her and things like that. But well, the pe- narrative around it was just so, like, meh. Like, yeah. I think people talked about it for a second. And then it kind of, like, yeah. disappeared. And Evan Peters seemed to kind of be like, it's fine. Well, but, but then but then they said that he was also abusing her. That's what somebody had responded to my tweet. Oh, really? Which I don't really know, but um, so just I mean, as regardless, we talking, though, a mutually like toxic, violent so, relationship. Yeah, it says that she was taken into custody in Montreal following a fight with her boyfriend Evan Peters. He was found with a bloody nose and bite marks from Roberts, and she had various bruisings. So she did have bruises on her, and it said Roberts was released immediately because Peters didn't want to press charges. Reps for both claim that it was a quote unquote accident. It was an unfortunate incident. Bite marks are an accident, How? right? Exactly. It was an unfortunate incident and misunderstanding. Ms. Roberts was released after questioning, and the couple are working together to move past. Yeah, you see, I don't know. I mean, it's impossible to know what happened in that situation, but I think the very fact that charges were being pressed against her and none were being pressed against him, whenever our inclination as a society is to usually, if there are bruises on her, is to usually be like, he did it, Yeah, press charges against him. To me, there had to be other... Um, I mean, and also, if she's, if she's attacking him, you could also... He could be defending himself. Or you could just be hurt yourself from, like, you know, it's like you punch someone, like, your hand's going to hurt. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I I don't know if... Yeah. Everything everything that I've seen, nothing has said that... I've not seen that he did anything to her. Right. I've never seen anything like that. But, I mean, outside of any of that, like, outside of what really happened, I think the bigger issue is, like, societally... Yes. What is our response to... We've talked about this with, like, rape victims, male rape victims, and, like, what is our response? It's usually to kind of, like, laugh and be like, ha-ha, you got beat up by a girl. And in reality, 
you know, we should be taking these things really seriously. We should be. And and that's the thing is that we shouldn't be teaching our boys that uh, that it's okay to be hurt by girls mm-hmm. um, emotionally, physically, anything. Like, this should be a conversation that is had no matter what their gender is um, because it's important. You don't deserve to be hurt in any sort of way no matter right. who you are. And the stigma around it really does have to change. And that's something that I feel like people don't understand you know, when we talk about toxic masculinity, where I think that a lot of times people see it as an attack against men, where really it's like it's an attack on horrible men. Right. And it is, and it is affecting men as well as it is and affecting it's, women. And it's an attack on a culture that yeah. is making it difficult right. for men but to people, experience things outside of a certain spectrum that's defined as masculine. Right, but people like to see it as misandrous. No, like, yeah, I'm totally say, with you as far as like the views on that. The reason yeah. why they're incorrect in that is because the patriarchy has been damaging to boys and men mm-hmm. and toxic to them in a lot of ways, and this is one of them. Like, yeah. not being able to just be like... I mean, I remember... Whenever I first heard that Chris Brown, um, mm. when he was eight, he was, like, bragging about how, like, he lost his virginity when he was, like, eight years old or something like that, or was really young like that, to, like, like someone who was older, a girl who was older, and he was bragging about it. That is abuse. And it's abuse, but the way that he presented it was this machismo kind of, like... Like I was not, getting it yeah, when I was, I was eight. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't allow boys to process their trauma. Yeah. It makes it to where, like, they have to pretend like it was something that was okay with yeah. them. You know, well, like, and that's the thing, is that even, even if in any sort of world at 8 o'clock, he was like, 8 eight, o'clock? Eight years old. Wow. <laughs> where am I? What day is it? <laughs> even at 8 years old, if he was like yeah, this is cool. Like, it's still... I can imagine years later him looking back and being like, holy shit. Like, there's things that happen to you when you're younger and you don't think of them as being a good a big deal. And then you look back and you're like, holy shit. And right. It's, it's suddenly, like, you realize the gravity of the situation. But our toxic culture, like, our, to- our culture of toxic ma- masculinity doesn't allow him to process that. No, it doesn't. You know, like, and in any real to, way. That's the narrative that he has to play. Right, yeah. Or else it would be damaging. Yeah, and horrible, exactly. And he could be ridiculed, exactly. you know? Exactly. I, can we talk briefly about, um, because we were talking about male violence, can yes. we talk a little bit about same-sex intimate partner violence? Yes. You know, I I see you have more notes than me because I was looking into I this. I could have gone a, way more into it. A little bit. And I, you know, in this, <laughs> I was looking at like reports and things like that. And this is the CDC 2013 report. Look at how useful this is. According to a 2013 CDC report, Little is known about the yep. national prevalence of intimate partner violence, sexual violence, and stalking among lesbian, gay, and yep. bisexual women and men in the United States. Yes, that's no information. No, CDC, that's the, and that's what I was. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that there really isn't a lot of information because in the LGBTQ plus community, there is even less abuse being reported. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I saw that particularly within like lesbian relationships. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I've seen I've seen more statistics about gay male relationships right. than anything else. But they I was reading somewhere that they're saying it's either comparable or higher. The numbers either that comparable is what or I saw higher. too. I saw yeah. that for lesbian relationships that they yes. said that the number is comparable or higher. Yeah. But you and, know what that could be? That could be exactly what we were saying where like we as women aren't raised like 
we hit each other. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. And I could totally see how that could escalate in yeah. a relationship like that. Oh, yeah. And I could see even with, like, sorry, this is stereotyping, but, like, I know for me that there are times where my emotions are high. If you've got two girls whose emotions are really high, again, not trying to stereotype. No, I know exactly what Lord you mean. But Lord knows what could happen. Like, I've gotten in more heated relationships, or heated relationships. Arguments? I can't talk tonight. It's all right. <laughs> more heated arguments with, like, my girlfriends growing up than I did with, like, my boyfriend. Um, but there is a history of silence around violence in their community because it's built on fears and myths that they've that have prevented a public conversation because because there's a different way that we talk about homosexual relationships than we talk about heterosexual relationships. There's just not enough conversation about it. And I also think that there is just like there are in communities of color and minority communities, uh-huh. there is a healthy distrust of police within yeah. LGBTQ communities. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, they don't want to go to police. They actively try to avoid it. Well, and imagine how it would look. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's interesting because I was actually having a conversation with a transgender friend of mine where he was saying that, like, if he was just kind of talking to me about the Brett Kavanaugh thing and he was like, I'm a person of color and I'm transgender. Can you imagine if I got in trouble with the law? And I said, you know what? You would be in more trouble than I would. No, oh, for sure. that's just the way that yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, and they have such, I mean, look, at, if we look at, um, like, Marsha Johnson, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, that death and potential murder and crime has uh-huh. been completely pushed well, under the yeah. bridge. Like, there's, there's no... There's that whole concept of more dead or less dead, right? Yeah. And, like, how some people are just more dead than other people, and... The more other you are, you know, probably with trans women being at the very top of that list, Mm -hmm. the more dead you are and the less people care. They kind of just think like, well, what did you do to you? You deserve it in some way, even if it's subconscious. Yeah. They just have this belief that like you did something to deserve. Right. Well, and then also there's people who just believe that the relationship in general is unnatural. Yeah. So the fact that there could be violence in there, like it all seems I feel like to some people to be almost like animalistic, like very different. Like you're disconnected you're from othered. it because yeah. it's not part of your reality. So it's like if there's violence or things right. happening, you know, they're not real people to you. This so is kind matter. of taking this on a little bit of a sidebar, but I was listening to, and I was getting so fucking heated about it, but I was listening to, um, the Behind the Bastards two-part episode on the Reagans, Ronald and Nancy Reagan. Oh, yeah. And their response to the AIDS epidemic. Uh-huh. And, It is so infuriating because, I mean, I think they waited until there were, like, 20,000 deaths in the United States to do anything about AIDS because it was a, quote-unquote, gay disease. And even, you can hear them laughing in press conferences Mm -hmm. when they talk about it, and they're Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, like, 12,000 people have died. Are you guys going to address this? And they're like, are you worried about it? Because you're, are you gay? Is that why you're asking the question? Are you concerned about it? And they didn't do anything until people, like, hemophiliacs and, like, other people started getting the disease because... Yeah, they were like, well, your relationship is unnatural, and this is God's way of, like, punishing your relationship. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's interesting because the HIV-AIDS stigma I was reading does have, like, certain ties to domestic violence. It's There's a stigma around it that they were saying that, like, the specific issues revolving around, like, domestic violence and homosexual and other relationships in the LGBTQ plus community 
are, you know, homophobia, HIV AIDS stigma, STD risk, lack of legal support, and the fact that they are considered less serious than heterosexual domestic violence. Yeah. So there's all of these things where if somebody was, let's say somebody in a gay relationship was raped and they got HIV from that. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all things where if you're using those as facts of like, look, I was taken advantage of and violently raped and I got this disease that will be with me forever because of the stigma behind it and the homophobia surrounding it. It's not going to be taken as seriously. Right. Or you've done something to have earned that. So that's oh, you're, by you're being gay, gay you've so, earned yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is horrifying and disgusting. Yeah. So the Encyclopedia of Victimology and Crime Prevention says, for several reasons, non-random sampling procedures and self-selection factors, among others, it is not possible to assess the extent of same-sex domestic violence. And they usually really rely on small samples, such as lesbian or gay members of an association. So it's like... It's like, well, I'm going to ask the gay and lesbian people that I know yeah. kind of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there there just isn't enough. There's not enough data. Well, and there's not enough people coming forward. Right. And I don't blame them. Right. Like, if it's hard for a woman where it's like, when we think of domestic violence, we think about a man hitting a woman. Right. If it's hard enough for a woman in a heterosexual relationship who may be white, who may be wealthy, who may have a lot of things going for them, money, good legal backgrounds... How are we expecting any sort of minority to be able to say anything? Right. Because we're not even giving them a chance. Right. It's the same within, like, black communities or or communities of color, too. I mean, not the same. I'm sure that it's much more difficult within certain segments of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. But it is kind of the same in, I, I think domestic violence also isn't taken as seriously within, like, black communities, you yeah. know, as far as, like, getting help for it well and it's interesting too because i feel like in in my life not being a person of color what i learned from the media from friends where like you know being hit as a child was normal oh yeah having your mom being hit was normal like like just the stories that i've heard where i just remember like being older and hearing these things and just being like wait what yeah i mean i think some communities of color i know in my family, in my black family, they love me to pieces, of course. I love them, too. But, like, yeah, violence was normalized in mm-hmm. a way. It was, like, my grandparents, of course, never hit each other. But, like, hitting children was yeah. was totally normal. I was normal. like, oh, if I misbehaved, like, I would get whooped. My like, grandpa things... used to carry a belt around his... He used yeah. to carry a belt around his neck for I if, like, you when were I was in college, misbehaving. When I was in college, um, Keegan and I went to a school that was very largely international students, and there was, like, a lot of different <laughs> I thought people. you were talking to me about someone else. I was like, which... No one other Keegan? <laughs> I do. I have a cousin, Keegan. Oh, okay. Well, and who's sorry. a girl? <laughs> um, so, we went to a school that was very largely, like, international students. You got a lot of different people in there. I remember we were having a, a discussion kind of about parenting in like a sociology class I think mm-hmm. and we were talking about spanking and literally I was the only person in like a 30 some person class who had never been spanked and never been hit at all yeah and I was like and and that I was raised in a bubble where I was like that doesn't happen because my parents would never do well any of that. I think where I was I was like what I think there are a lot of differences culturally right in regards to like spanking because my mom put it to me this way, and it totally made sense for me then. Because mm-hmm. my grandma used to walk. She's a little, she was a little, like, five-foot-tall woman. Mm-hmm. And she 
used to walk around with a belt around her neck, too. Mm-hmm. And my mom put it to me this way. She was like, she was raising five black sons in the 1960s and trying to keep them in line because the standards were higher right. for, still are higher for black boys and black children than they are for white children. If yeah. they misbehave even a little bit, that gets scrutinized so well, much more. So yeah. she always made sure their shirts and pants were ironed. They walked sing- single yeah. file through restaurant or uh, through stores yeah. um, because the bar was higher for them to behave of well. Of course. Yeah. And I just want to say, I'm not judging. It yeah. was just something for me that was like Oh no, I would never that hit I had my a kids. very No, but I'm but I'm definitely not like that's not a judgmental thing if that was something that like happens in your family. I'm not saying that you have bad parents or anything like that. But for me, living in a fa- in a family of like fucking hippies, right? Like peace love, you're our love well, child. I mean, like and, it was a very different and truly upbringing. Truly, I mean, studies have proven that I understand culturally why my my grandparents did it, but studies have proven that it is not good to normalize violence in your oh, households 100%. with children. One hundred percent. I like, don't. I I don't believe in it at all. But no. I also know that there are experiences that people have had in their lives right. that they that they are okay with. People get very heated about it. Yeah. They do, and and I'm not I'm not here to say. I personally think that hitting children is wrong. Right. In my life, I'm not going to say that like, oh, you were abused and you're troubled. Right. And you're, I'm oh, not no. gonna give I'm not gonna put that on anybody either. Agreed. So I just Agreed. want to make Good. that known. Yeah. Um so twenty six percent of gay men said that they've experienced physical violence, stalking, or rape by their partners. And interestingly enough, twenty nine percent of hetero men had come forward saying that. So the statistics hmm. are similar, but even a little bit higher for heterosexual men Interesting. saying that they have been um, abused, which I think is probably both of these statistics are off. I think that it's of course probably higher for both. I would just yeah, I think it's a, a pretty blanket statement to say that probably all of the statistics that we give today aren't going to be completely accurate because right. of the lack of people reporting, yeah. you know, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I do kind of believe that, like. If you watch any of those shows that, like, center around stalking, while there are lots of male stalkers, there are lots of female stalkers, Well, that's too. the thing, is, like, you think about stalking, like, people, you usually don't think about stalking as being part of, like, domestic violence. I mean, I think about the people in my life that I've had to, even recently, block, because I'm like, this is getting to an unhealthy, scary level. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, you don't think of that as being a sense of violence until they start threatening violence. Yeah. And stalking is something that I think... Maybe eventually down the line we can have a, a full episode just, just on, that on that because yeah. it is very, very scary because stalking is one of those things. Domestic violence in general is very scary because of what has to happen before any legal action can be taken. Yeah. And um, stalking is one that's particularly scary because they they just won't do anything until yeah. they actually to, try to hurt you. Something has to happen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So that's another thing, too. So speaking of stalking, let's talk a little bit about how domestic violence can lead or is an indicator of future violence. Mm -hmm. Because you and I just read that book, Dead Girls, like I said before, at our um, Swallows for Our Swallows Fight um, pop-up live show. And 
while uh, we had some feelings on the book, <laughs> which yeah. you will hear eventually, guys. We will get that episode up eventually. Yeah. Probably, probably next month. Probably during the holidays at some yeah. point. But yeah, it was interesting to read about how they talk about the different indicators that lead up to violence and also once there's domestic violence in the home, how it can lead to more mass violence. Right. Yeah, I have this quote here, which I, I read in that episode too, so you guys are going to hear it twice. Whoop, whoop. Um 56% of mass shootings from 2009 to 2015, a spouse, former spouse, or other family member were among the victims of mass shootings between that time period. So domestic abusers, yes, they did go out and kill a bunch of people, but very often, over half of the time, they were seeking out groups of people that included a spouse, former spouse, or another family oh, member. That reminds me of, remember when the woman, the... Google? Oh, Shooting? yeah. Yeah, I don't remember where that was. Because wasn't there something to do with, like, she was going after one specific person? Or am I getting uh, she, multiple that, that things That was confused? YouTube, wasn't it? That's what it was. Yeah, and it, that was because YouTube had screwed her over on her videos or something feel, like that. Right, but I feel like there was something that I read and Maybe I Maybe she knew someone personally. Maybe it was a different one, but there was some business, and I, I obviously didn't research this part, guys. It just came to my mind. But I feel like I read something recently where it was like a woman who was like targeting... A specific person. You're probably not wrong. I mean, didn't yeah, we sure talk about? Didn't we talk about? It was the Santa Fe, Texas shooting, or which shooting was it? Where one of they kept like bringing it up over and over again that one of the uh, victims had rejected the shooter. Yes, that's what. It yeah, was. that yeah. that happens a lot. And um, so the other half of this this quote is. Domestic violence is one of the strongest indicators of future mass violence, and their dynamics of control are so similar that some experts call it intimate terrorism, yeah. which I find to be really, really interesting. And I remember, I don't know if you were with me this time, it might have been one of the ones that I went to without you, but I went to, I think it was right after Parkland, I went to a uh, rally, and they were trying to say that one of the things that they were really wanting to pass, that they were having problems passing, which seems crazy to me is trying to keep guns away from people who have had domestic violence yeah. charges. No, I think that is the... We went to the one... Is that the that one we went to? Against guns, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that we went yeah. together. I went to yeah. two of those, so I wasn't sure if that was one you went with me or... Yeah, it's... It's something to me that seems like such a common sense it kind is, of it's, thing. Again, it's common sense. Gun control, if someone... Because so very often, if you have a record of domestic violence, uh -huh. you will either... Once you're able to get your guns back, because what we have currently on the books, yeah. I think, or what we had currently on the books, um, was that it would get taken away for a certain period of time. Yeah. Once you get it back, you're either going to kill that person uh -huh. or you are going to go commit mass violence somewhere else. Yes. Like the, I mean, the statistics just bear that out, that yeah. most people who commit mass shootings have a history of domestic violence. Yeah. Those things go hand in hand. Yes. It's an indicator of future violence. And that, oh God. Like that, like for some reason, just you saying that just now, like I feel like I'm running through everybody, every guy, especially that I've ever been scared of, and like a lot of them own guns. Yeah, it's very scary because it's a control thing. Yeah. And it's an easy way to control you. And if you want to listen again to that TED talk, I mean, I highly recommend it. I'll yeah. share it to our Facebook group uh, if you guys join our Facebook group. But um, that TED talk. That's one thing in the beginning of that TED Talk, and it's kind of scary and powerful. She pulls a gun out of her purse because she says, like, 
he kept a gun in his glove compartment. He kept a gun yep. under their pillow. He kept a gun on him at all times yep. because it was a control thing. Yeah. He was able to control her and he would yeah. hold the gun up against her head, you know, yeah. like like often. People like that should not be allowed to have guns ever again. I'm they sorry. If you have a domestic violence, um, if history. it's on your record, if it's part of your history... You should not ever be allowed to yeah. have a gun again. I completely agree. Um, here's um, another quote from Dead Girls that I didn't actually read in the other <laughs> during yeah. the other episode, but I also thought was very, very interesting. And it kind of ties in with uh, toxic masculinity culture. At some point, we choose to believe our idea of the all-American young man over flags as red as blood. Yep. One commonality of domestic abusers and mass killers is a sense of grievance, a belief that someone, somewhere, had wronged them in a way that merited a violent response. As Amanda Talb wrote in the New York Times after the Pulse nightclub shooting, violent men's grievances are born out of a conviction of their personal righteousness and innocence. Yeah. They are never the instigators. They are only writing what has been done to them. Yeah. Like, yeah. They believe that they're victims. They believe yes. that this woman has done something to them or this partner or, or this person. Or that even somebody else has done something to them so that their violence is warranted. I, right. I completely see that. They're innocent. I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in my experience, I guess, there was something that he would always talk about how women have always hurt him. How women have always left Women him. are the problem. Yes. Oh, every woman in my life has always done X, Y, Z. So I wanted to be that one person in his life, that one woman in his life that never let him down. No matter how he treated me, no matter what he did, there was something in me that felt like he truly, like, he is behaving this way because he is a product of his circumstances. Right. Yeah. And you're the only one who understands. Because he made me feel like I was the only one yeah. that understood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um... Can I talk a little bit about celebrity survivors of domestic violence? Yes, please. I There's a lot of these that I, I really didn't know about that I found interesting, and there were a few that I've heard that were very publicized. Have you ever seen What's Love Got to Do With It about Tina Turner and Ike Turner? No, but I did. She is on this list. Okay, continue. But I haven't seen that. It's so, a good movie. Christina Aguilera. Okay. Was that with her husband? No. Her father. Oh, okay. So her father would abuse both her and her mom, and um, her mom found her at four years old with blood dripping from her face because Yikes. of her dad's abuse. Uh, trigger warning. Lionel Richie was beaten by his first wife, Brenda Harvey. She was arrested. Um, I guess he was having an affair and she got still, upset. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Yeah, still you still can't punch your partner. No, Sorry, you still cannot hurt your partner. And she was arrested. Um, Madonna, Sean Penn, oh. had allegedly beat her for nine um, hours. Can we fucking talk about but why Sean that guy Penn? has a goddamn career? Why the what fuck the does that fuck? guy have a career? Because yeah, she went on later to say that like she forgave him or whatever. But he yeah. tied her to a chair and terrorized yeah. her. Yeah, for hours. Nope. Like, nope. I don't understand how this fucking guy has a career bit. And it's so, it's like, he, again, he's so talented, but it's like, you're the biggest fucking asshole. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Just, ugh, I, I know. Him. It's tough whenever really talented people suck so hard. Yeah. This one is one that you and I know very well. Oh, yeah. Rihanna. I think everyone knows this pretty yes. well. I remember that when that happened so clearly. And I even remember totally thinking, and I, this is completely the opposite of what I think now by the way but I remember the thought coming through my mind of what did she do 
I mean, I think a lot of people thought that. That happened a lot at that time. Yeah. It was like, well, if he got that mad, like, what, I'm sure she wasn't innocent in this situation. Yeah, I, I went straight to, uh, I, I went straight to Chris Brown's piece of shit. But, oh, no, I definitely did, too, but there was still, like, you know how you have a thought and then you have a subconscious thought? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those I, things. Well, I do think a lot of people wondered what happened. Like, yeah. they were obviously fighting about something, yeah. but, like, I remember whenever they released that photo of her. Yeah, and then exactly. And then her police report, which is problematic as well because she didn't want that stuff released to the public and you should mm-hmm. have some control over that and that mm-hmm. sucks. But when I learned the details of what happened... Oh, yeah. I mean, he he almost he killed her. He slammed her into a window. He almost killed her. And then punched her repeatedly in the face, arms, and legs. And this she woman, only got out by taking the key out of the ignition. Yeah. And, like, because he was beating the shit out of her. I cannot believe that this man still has a career. Yep. He had some fucking documentary come out a few He's months a ago where it's, like, his daughter on, on the front of it. And no. I'm like, no, this is something, like, we cannot... Forget, and I've mentioned this before. I used to be a really big fan of the show Blackish, and I was watching it, and he was on the show, and I'm no. like, "What are you doing?" He's unrepentant. Tracy Ellis Ross, Yara Shahidi. I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, he's an unrepentant piece of shit. And um, and Rihanna, it's especially sad because she had domestic violence in her home. Yeah, like her dad used to hit her too. Yeah. So, when again, when people wanted to be like, because she got back with him, and people yeah. wanted to be like, "Why did you do that?" Well, and, and then it's they're like, critical of her. They're not critical of him about the situation, but. The reason that people get back with their abusers is for very, like, obvious reasons. It varies from person to person, too. And you've been groomed. Like, there are things that are... Or you just want to... You remember the good times and you want to forget about those And she grew up with a history of domestic violence. Like, there is a cycle of domestic violence. Her dad used to beat her. In some way, I'm sure she equates love with that. Like, they love you so much. Oh, and I remember being very confused where she came out with that song... With Eminem. With S&M. What? The song oh, S&M. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. That's different. And Eminem, where I, where I just... But it was before I was knowledgeable about any of this. Yeah. Where, so I was kind of confused where I was like... The Eminem song like, confused why? me. Yeah, where I was just like, I don't understand. But I think, it, it, in a way, it could have been... S&M, I think, could have been a way of her regaining her sexuality and ownership of it. And then I think the song with Eminem also could just be about maybe how she was feeling during yeah, that time. Yeah, maybe she really did feel Not that way. Not what she believes, but yeah. it's like, maybe that was something that she right had and, to go and through. again it's not for us to understand no it's not it's a journey that she went on and it seems like she came out on the other side of it you yeah, know and exactly. i would never blame and that's her all, and that's and she's a victim's advocate now you yeah. know like we can only um trust that she's going through her own process it's yeah. not for us to judge um tyler perry was abused by his father who once whipped him with a vacuum cord jesus he ow. had sexual abuse from multiple adults as a child and opened up to oprah about attempting suicide when he was young um, wow. And that reminds me a lot, too, about Terry Crews when he came out yeah. with his um, sexual assault Story. allegations against others. Yeah. And just the weird, you know, for us, a huge, like, fuck yes. But for a lot of people, a lot of confusion and not really knowing how to handle that story. Uh, same with a lot of Kevin Spacey's victims. Like, we, it was hard for, for the public, I think, to grasp that situation more than it I was think we for could only grasp with, with Kevin Spacey. I think the reason why we clung on to his, like, underage victims is because we were like, oh, those are kids. Like, yeah. we, we get, we get oh, that. Oh, if it was adult men, it would be a little bit different. It would be harder. Yeah. Yeah. For it's, people to get. It's crazy. 
Um, because you mentioned her earlier, Tina Turner, I'm going to mention her last, but I want to mention Charlize Theron. She had an abusive alcoholic father who threatened to kill her and her mother on many occasions. She her, had a really fucked up childhood. Her shot and killed her father yeah. in self-defense when she was 15. Yeah, I did know that. And she believes that the incident has made her a stronger actress. Girl, she's probably, an amazing actress. She's amazing. Yeah. She's in my top. Um, she's in my top ten. I, I love her. Fucking love Shirley's Theron. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that story and like I, I like I remember hearing something about it, but then like rereading it this time, I was just like, oh my god. And then Tina Turner, Ike Turner, nearly killed her on more than one occasion by brutally beating her and forcing sex on her, and she ended the relationship and the abuse in 1976. Right. Um, I mean, and that's another one where he kind of groomed her. He believed yeah. in her. He believed in her talent in yeah. a way that like no one else ever had. Right. And she felt special. He made her feel special, and he was important. And like, it got. I think the violence only escalated whenever she, her fame grew and mm-hmm. her talent grew and like it of got course. bad. And famously, she very famously, whenever they went to um, court to get their divorce, she said, he can have everything. He just can't take my name because like that because she wasn't, you know, Turner is his last name and she wasn't Tina Turner. He kind of gave her that name. That was yeah. her stage name. And she said, he can have everything except my name. Like yeah. I get to keep my name. Yeah. Um, I love that. Me too. Oh, I just have um, very quickly celebrities that were accused of domestic violence. Oh, please. Please. We're going to talk... All of these we talked about on the podcast before, so we don't have to go into depth. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Ex-wife Amber Heard filed for a restraining order uh, in, I believe, 2016. He had smashed an iPhone in her face during an argument, and Heard was on the phone with a friend and told them to call the cops as Depp grabbed the phone from her. Listen... As someone who was a hardcore Johnny Depp fan, yeah. I had pictures of Johnny Depp all over my walls. Oh, yeah. I loved him. Um, this is not one that we can... A lot of people, a lot of people are like, are I don't know. Past. I don't know if that happened. And I'm it's like... such bullshit. Look, man, I don't think Amber Heard's a good actress. And in fact, she does seem kind of annoying. But that doesn't mean that she didn't get the fuck nope. beat out of her. And I yep. think that, like... Johnny Depp's behavior since then has is deplorable. And well, and, and he's never made they're like, "Oh, he's not even going to respond to these allegations because it's so ridiculous." Like it's just Yeah, uh, it's I worked so I did a I did a uh, web series with a guy who works for Johnny Depp. They know each other, they're friends. Yeah. And it was kind of during that whole thing and he was absolutely one of those people who was like Amber Heard's a liar. Mm-hmm. She he would never do this. And listen, I can also believe because there was no history of domestic violence with Johnny Depp before, I can believe that, that this... That we know. Well, his he had a lot... The reason why people don't believe Amber Heard is because when a white writer came forward, Vanessa Paradis came forward, all of his exes came forward and said that he never did anything to them, and I believe them. Yeah. But the problem is, his substance abuse has obviously gotten to a point... Oh, yeah. Remember the article we talked yeah. about with the with the writer who I like, believe, spent time with him? I yeah. believe that like he maybe didn't beat anybody up before. But, right. his, but that doesn't mean that it's not true now. Right. Yeah. His substance abuse is so bad that changes you as a person. Yeah. Um, Mel Gibson pleaded no contest in 2010 in a battery charge with then-wife Oksana Grigorevia. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Sean Penn, again, yep. against Madonna, served 33 days in prison for punching a photographer as well. Get your shit together, people. Seriously. I'm like, what the fuck? We talked about Emma Roberts. I won't go into that again. Nicholas Cage. 
2011 arrest for domestic battery and disturbing the peace after he punched his wife outside a tattoo parlor and punched nearby cars. These people have some fucking anger issues. Get your shit together. I mean, come on now. Like, you learn this shit when you're a child. Charlie Sheen was arrested for domestic violence. I know, right? In 2009 for reportedly trying to choke wife Brooke Mueller. Pleaded no contest in 96 to a charge that he attacked his girlfriend at his home. Carmen Electra... I feel like I heard something about this. She and Dennis Rodman were both. Oh, yeah, they beat each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. Um, Ozzy Osbourne was arrested for domestic violence in '89. Yes, I remember and that too. James Brown as well was arrested for domestic violence in 2004. So that was a kind of shorter list and with less um, depth detail. And detail. But um, again, it's we, good to know because it's always good to know. Like you got you got to know who your idols are. You know, yeah, you got to know what's going on. And again, like we always say, you have to know where you want to draw your own lines. Uh, totally. You well, know? and that's the thing is that like I was just talking to my mom about the movie I Am Sam. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Like Sean Penn's a piece of shit. And, like, I can look at that performance and be like, he was fantastic, and that movie is really great. Um, I have a hard time watching any of his movies, and a lot of these, you know, people that we've mentioned, I have a hard time supporting them in any way. Right. But I can also say that, like, at one time, when ignorance was bliss, yeah, these are things that I enjoyed, and they were really well done. So right. It's I like, mean, why yeah. Ruin shit, and and guys? I and I do have to say, like, as much as I'm like, I will never listen to Chris Brown music. I don't go see Woody Allen movies. I don't watch Roman Polanski movies, even though they're things that I enjoy. I will probably still go see. Yeah. I will probably still go see the next Fantastic Beast movie. I mean, Ugh. here I am. I know. So it's just it's you gotta that one. I have a hard time with. I didn't see the first one, so I think I, have, I did. Like, I'm less invested in it. I liked it. Um, it's hard because like oh, but there's so many people in it that I love, and like why would I let it ruin that? But like there, I just have a hard time. Well, with J.K. It. Rowling's response to it was really upsetting. Very. Yeah, and she's she's slipping have, for me. She's slipping for me. I have a really hard time. Like, justifying these things in my head. Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, then it becomes a thing of, like, we have to not support anybody. Well, we've we've talked about um, Birth of a Nation. Uh-huh. Like, I saw it. I knew a girl who was in it. It was a great movie. Yeah, and I didn't see it. I, exactly. So. And that's the thing. It's like, I wanted to see it because I wanted to support this person that I knew. I really wanted to see it. Um, where it's hard because it's hard to draw that line. And then it's the same thing with, like, what I was saying with Blackish. It's like, it's a show I really enjoyed. I kind of got sick of it after a while anyway. So I was like, whatever. Old I, news. I think what comes, but, what it comes down to is you need to figure out where that line is for yourself right. and make that decision for yourself about right. what you you are and you aren't willing to accept. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just, it's just part upsetting of it. to me that, like, other people who are involved in those things don't hold I mean, yeah, other I'm, up to certain I'm more mad at J.K. Rowling. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because like, I'm just like, you had the power to but stop this. But it's so frustrating. Like, if I was an actress who was hired on that set to be any sort of substantial character that had to work with Johnny Depp, I would be horrified. I'd, yeah. I, I, it would be a very hard decision for me to make whether or not... I mean, me now, if I was cast, I'd be like, well, you know... You have to. Yeah. That's, that's part but of the then, problem. But then there's things where it's like, if I was already established and everything where it's like maybe this is not the best thing for me I mean I would I would not I would probably have panic attacks on the daily well there's more to it too it's like there are contracts involved there aren't it's not always entirely up to the people who are in the film to make those kinds of decisions okay let's really quickly talk about one of the biggest things that we've already touched on which is victims returning to their abusers or not leaving, right? 
So a commonly cited statistic estimates it takes seven times for a domestic violence victim to leave her or his abuser for good. Reasons for staying vary from person to person and often include factors such as financial dependence, mm-hmm. emotional manipulation, and lack of familiar, familial or community support. Yeah. It'd be interesting if we, like, I know we just did a whole episode on domestic violence, but there really is something interesting to me about other cultures and how they view violence. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting to me because all of those things that you just mentioned are so much more prevalent. Like, I had a friend who was in a very abusive relationship, and she's from the Middle East. And the way that she was treated because she would speak about those things rather than how I would be treated speaking about those things. Was oh, very, for sure. was very shocking to me, and I was not used to that. Yeah, I mean, I think the differences in the ways that cultures are treated is part of it. And it, I also think that a lot of the things here that are being... Um, cited as as reasons you know such as like financial dependence emotional manipulation lack of familial and community support those things i think can be more prevalent in certain cultures yeah. and socioeconomic statuses uh-huh. than in others as well you True. know what i mean like well i mean it's interesting though because like i always say that the stingiest people i've ever met have been the richest people i've ever met you know, there the is what? Some, the stingiest people stingiest, yeah. have sometimes been like the richest people that I've ever yeah. met. Where it's like they want to uphold a certain lifestyle or a certain image or facade where having something like domestic violence become a part of their lives or be public in any sort of way would be damaging to them. Right. So even if it's like even if you are very, very wealthy, you know, I feel like that's a lot of times the stories that we hear about. Yeah. Um they're Sometimes those things that you just said where we wouldn't really think about it being an issue can still be an issue in a very different way. Right. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, and I think also like socioeconomic when it comes to like that sort of thing um, and separating you from your family, you oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes these stories that we see in these Lifetime movies or Mm. on ID or whatever are very wealthy people who develop relationships with people of a lower socioeconomic status. So they can take them in, and then they have all of the power. They have the financial power. They have the power to separate you from your family. they buy nice things. Right, yeah. Yeah. And they they kind of, like, build you up to keep you, essentially. You can't get away. I agree. So into this TED Talk from Leslie Morgan Steiner, and it's called Why Domestic Violence Victims Don't Leave. Mm She says, it's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship, Mm -hmm. after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing else to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. Yeah. So there are all of these factors at play. Oh, yeah. You are so scared to leave. Yeah. Because, like, where are you going to go? Yeah. I remember, it's really weird, like, you even saying that, and I know that we're hitting about our time. I just remember when I was younger, my very best friend, since I was, like, 15 months old, we were in, like, some parenting class together, and our moms became friends. I remember 
um, her parents going through a breakup when she was younger and not understanding why she couldn't see her dad unless there was people around. Right. And her reaction to her dad picking her up from my house. And, like, I just... It's weird, like, as a child, remembering those certain yeah. things. It's it's true. There is that weird thing, especially when you have a child, where it's like... You're going to have to have some kind of connection with this person. Yeah. So do you really want to risk the possibility of setting them off? Yeah. Because you're going to have to see them still. It's, you know, it's not like... I mean, like... luckily, there, there are situations where you don't have to see them still. I think that hopefully we are growing into a time where if a man is is abusive to their wife and their child that they will be kept away. Yeah, but I still it think it's add another... very rare. I oh, think I think that so too. The I courts think... try really hard to to keep that family bond. It's such a weird it's such a weird thing to me. Like I mean, I've dis I've like excommunicated my dad who's never been physically abusive to me in any sort of way where it's like and then you see someone who's physically injured their children and their mother in front of them. Right, but the difference is like that other. was your choice. Right. And like when you're dealing with children who are under 18, That's true. it's not their choice. Like if you're dealing with small children, like that's the court's choice. But that's the thing is like if I'm like stable enough to see this is unhealthy and that I should be separated from this person, why can't the court see that, like, clearly this relationship is toxic well, and they need to be for, separated? Well, for the same reason that, like, people close to the victim don't see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this is probably a person who's able to put on a really good show in public. They always in do, don't they? Public, you know, so you have that factor, and then you also have the factor of, like, the court will do whatever it takes to try and keep... A, a parent and child together. Yeah. Like, they will always do that because there's the possibility that a person could change and, right. like, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and they don't yeah. want to be responsible for that. So, you know, as fucked up as it is, I see, I get it, but also that's another level of something that makes it terrifying and something mm -hmm. that an abuser would absolutely use as a, yeah. a weapon of control, you know? Yeah. She, oh, yeah, children are always, you know, pawns. Yeah, pawns. And um, she uses, uh, she kind of addresses, like, victim blaming here when she says the question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. Mm -hmm. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. Mm -hmm. And she goes into, during this TED Talk, kind of the warning signs, or at least the warning signs for her. And she said that the step, the first step was seduce and charm. And she talks about how he looked at her and he thought she was smart and she just he thought that she was the best person in the world and he but idolized then it's like there her. But there are people out there that will actually think that you're smart and right, wonderful. But, but she had no reason to believe that he didn't. That's what I mean. Like things. there are people out there yeah. who like will truly believe of that course. the sun shines out your asshole. It, like, yeah, but that, that was the first thing that she kind of like grabbed onto is like he loves me, he likes me, he thinks I'm interesting, he thinks I'm smart, he yeah. cherishes me, he always is building me up. Right? And then and then he moved to isolate her. And again, yeah. this is one of those things where you're like, you know, danger, Will, Will Robinson. But it's not because it's like the way that she explains that he did it was like he quit his dream job in New York. Right. And he was just like, I just because he gave her his whole story about being molested growing up and how yeah. damaged he is. And it made her trust him and him yeah. trust her. And yeah. like, 
then he well, was and able... Well, there's also something, too, about where it's kind of like a me and you against the world kind of thing, where, like, I remember my ex, like, even talking about you and being like, is this Keegan talking right now? And, like, would not... And, like, didn't like that I would have certain relationships with my friends because as soon as I would speak my truth... Right. It was something like, oh, these other people are influencing you. Right. But he, like, in this story, like, he actually, like, physically isolated her. Yeah. By, like, he came home and was like, I quit my dream job and um, it's because, like, I really feel, I just want to get out of the city. Like, mm-hmm. let's just get out of the city. You know, and in her head, she's not thinking, like, oh, no. he's trying to separate me from neighbors who might hear me scream yep. or my oh, family. No. She's like, he loves me and wants to spend only time And with we're going to start a life together. Yeah. You know, and as soon as he got her, like, into the country, mm-hmm. he started beating the shit out of her, you know? Yeah. Um, but before he started beating her, he started introducing threats of violence to see how she would respond to it. Yep. And then he just started pushing it just like a little bit, a little bit more. And by the time you realize that he, this is a thing that's going to be happening regularly, he said she says that he beat her up badly a week before their wedding. But it was the first time he'd ever done it. He apologized profusely. And it's the week before your wedding. You're like, I can't just cancel. Right. So they got married. And then by the time the violence has really escalated, you are married. You're isolated. Your bonds with your your family and friends are faded. Yeah. And now you're in this situation that you never thought you would be in. Yeah. So I think it's really difficult whenever we try and, like say how could she have ever gotten herself or how could he have ever gotten himself into this situation because no abuser comes out the gate like I'm going to abuse you (laughs) like you know but check out that TED talk it is so good it really does kind of like open your eyes to this person because she is this well-educated probably upper middle class white blonde woman Uh middle-aged blonde woman telling you these things and you're like Oh, like I can, you know, it's it's fucked up, but in a lot of people's eyes, I think they're like, I can hear it from you. Yeah, you know, I get it coming from you. Sometimes it has to start. You're the there. quote unquote perfect victim. You has know, to, sometimes yeah. it has to start there, and then and then we need to be continuing. We can expand it out. As fucked up as it is, we should be believing everybody. But yeah, yeah, we can expand it outward. You know. Well, I know this was kind of a heavy episode again. I really like as weird and heavy as it was. I I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I me too. Like, I feel like we have episodes every once in a while that are very cathartic for me. Yeah, and help me kind of realize a lot of things about myself as I'm. Yeah, talking through therapy. It. It, it really is, man. And um, I want to give a quick shout out to everybody who's been messaging us lately because a lot of this month we we have been talking about a lot of domestic violence and violence against women, and um, your stories that you've told us have been like amazing mm-hmm. and heartbreaking and uh, thought provoking. And the fact that, you know, I feel like we've all kind of gone on this journey together during this past, like, month or so has been something that's made me feel a lot less alone. And um, for those of you who who have gotten through this episode, I want to give a big thank you for also the support that I feel from a lot of my listeners. Um, The fact that they feel that they can reach out to me and to you, to me, feels like it's also them supporting and validating my experiences that I've been through and that's something that is very special to me and as I feel like I say a lot um is the point of all of this yeah you know so I want to I want to bring it up again I want to say thank you so 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 very much for your love and your support and your commitment to us and to our show um 
Thank you to those who have sent in your listener mail to us this week. Thank you to those who have reviewed this week. You guys, we asked you to review, and you've done it. Came gonna, out. Thank we're you. We're going to continue to ask, but like, my God, it's amazing. It, it means so much to us. Um, thank you to all of those who went to the Swallows Flight pop-up to support us. Um, and even those who couldn't come who have messaged me and said that they'll be there for the next one. Thank you. Yeah, I felt I felt a lot of great love and support um, during a lot of these com- really difficult conversations that we've had. And I just wanted to make it known that we see you all and love you all and um, feel very fortunate that you all feel comfortable enough to share these stories with us. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have any stories that you would like to share with us, please find us on Instagram. Send us a DM. We are on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can send us an email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We have the Facebook group and the business page. And you can also find us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. And I think that's all. Is that all? I think so. So I guess you guys, you know, with that being said... Rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.